sorry to be late, but I was locked out. And I couldn't get in. This is one time I couldn't get the service. Oh, uh, someone just pulled in and blocked the gate. We couldn't get out until they got someone to move in. We're thankful to be here tonight, to be in the service of the Lord, see all you fine people out here, and trust that this will be a great night for his kingdom's sake. That many of his sick children may be healed tonight. Many unbelievers will become believers, accepting the Lord Jesus Christ and the pardoning of their sins. Now, before we go farther, shall we bow our heads just a moment in a word of prayer as we speak to the King. Our Heavenly Father, we're grateful to be tonight for this privilege that we have of gathering together another day this side of the coming of the Lord, realizing that we don't know just when he will appear in glory, but knowing this, that after this mortal life has ceased, we have the blessed promise that beyond this veil there awaits for us a tabernacle not made but hands. God has provided for us a better tabernacle, wherein there will never be a prayer for the sick. There will never be a prayer for the sinner. All these mortal things and earthly things have passed away then. In our being now we groan in the Spirit for deliverance. While we're here, Father, as pilgrims and strangers professing that we're not of this world, that Christ has called us out, called us the chosen, elected for his sake, and we are thankful for the opportunity to bear his message. Come to us tonight, Lord Jesus, quickly. Take the service into thy own beloved hands and minister to each one of us as we have need. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, this, this evening, as we speak about the Lord Jesus last evening, we had a most marvelous time. Seldom you find great faith like that at the beginning of the service. But it's seemingly that this was just a little different. We had a great beginning, and we're happy for it. Such faith would continue. It's just hard to tell what our Lord would do in the coming days. I think tomorrow afternoon they are to have the services in an auditorium here in the city. Perhaps it's already been announced by the brethren who know where it is. And bring out the unsaved tomorrow. Now, every church at a time we don't have it on the Sunday night or on Sunday morning because it would interfere with other services of the city. And we do not want to interfere with any religious service. Anyone that's serving God, we believe that on Sunday morning and Sunday night, they're posted duties at their own church. To you visitors that are here, visit some of these churches tomorrow yourself. Make yourself known to the people. Get acquainted with the saints of God around this community. And come to the service tomorrow afternoon. And then tomorrow night, back to your regular post of duty. Now, tonight, for time, the first few nights, when we have a long service like this of ten nights, seldom our services run over three nights. Three to five nights is just about the limit. But in this case, we had this great arena here, and we realized the metropolitan center of the city here isn't too great. It's about, I guess, 75,000, I think someone told me. 
So we have plenty of room. I always keep my meetings rather small because that I don't have to to beg for offerings to pay off the expenses. It's one thing that I think that I glory in the Lord Jesus for helping me in that manner. I don't have nothing that I have to support like a radio program or television program or anything. I just come and visit you and the little expenses that we have, we take it up right away and I never will permit people to, to beg for money regardless of how far we go in debt. They can't do it. The manager's ever found begging, that's the last time he's a manager. Because we are not to take people's money. We are here to help you, to bring something to you and your blessings to us. And we do not come for your money. And we try to keep that clean and clear worldwide. Now, we close the service, the Lord willing, Sunday a week. And then Thursday, I go to Switzerland. And then from Switzerland, perhaps to Frankfurt, Germany, and then up into Sweden, the Lord willing. And back to the States again to continue the services up through Canada. Now, we appreciate your prayers. Prayer changes things. There's only one thing that can change the mind of God, and that's prayer. But God can say anything, and prayer can, can change it. That was pretty good by it, wasn't it? But it's the truth. It was in the scripture that he did. Could you imagine the prophet Isaiah going up and told Hezekiah, Thus saith the Lord, a real prophet, said, Go up and tell Hezekiah he's not coming off that bed, he's going to die right there. So Hezekiah went up and said, Thus saith the Lord, it's, you're going to die right there where you are, you're not coming off the bed. And when the prophet left, I can imagine going out to the celebrities standing outside the gate saying, They say, Oh, prophet of God, what about our beloved king? Thus saith the Lord, he's not coming off the bed. Goes on out to the soldiers in the outer courts, Oh, prophet of God, what about our king? Thus saith the Lord, he's not coming off the bed. To the poor people outside the gate, Oh, prophet of God, we believe that you come from God. What about our king? What's going to be the end of him? Thus saith the Lord. He's not coming off the bed. He's going to die right on his bed. Thus saith the Lord. Got on out to his little hut. Only as the kind turned over, began to talk to the Lord and said, Lord, I beseech you to consider me, for I've walked before you with a perfect heart. That's a great big word, isn't it? Testimony like that. I have walked with a perfect heart, and he needed 15 years more. Now, the king was a high figure, earthly speaking, or politically speaking, in the whole nation of Israel. And the greatest man, politically speaking, was talking to the king of kings. Now, it looks like if the king of kings would have had anything to say back to the king, he would have spoke to him. But it sure proves that he was talking to him. But God has ways and means of doing things his own way. And instead of that, he goes back out to the prophet. And he says to the prophet, Now you go tell him that I heard his prayer, and I'm going to spare him 15 years. Could you imagine the position that put Isaiah in? Here he comes right back to the gate again. Thus saith the Lord, he's going to live. Got up to the soldiers. Thus saith the Lord, he's going to live. Right into the celebrity. Thus saith the Lord, he's going to live. Well, I'd imagine, say, what kind of a prophet is that? What was the big difference? Prayer changes from death to life. It'll do it for every sinner here tonight. From death to life. It'll do it for every sick person tonight. From sickness to health, prayer changes things. 
So always bear that in mind. Pray without ceasing. If you want to be an impediment to the meeting, just don't pray. If you want to be the greatest help this meeting can have, it's not financially. Here's the greatest help you can be to this meeting. Set aside an hour or two every day that you pray for the meeting. Go out and visit someone the Lord puts on your heart and bring them into the meeting. Then pray that God will save them when they're in there if they're not saved. Heal them if they're not if they're sick and in need of healing. That's the greatest contribution that you can give to any meeting is to pray and seek God to help in this time of trouble. Now, just turning into his word, my word very feeble as we know being a man's word, but his word being God's eternal word, then it cannot fail. My word is just, just after fail is I'm just a man, like your word. But God's words will not fail. It's written in the book. Now, in the book of St. Mark, and the fifth chapter, and beginning with the 35th verse, we shall read a portion of Scripture just before we speak a little bit on the Word. For faith cometh by hearing, hearing the Word of God. And then we'll read His Word, for if my Word does fail, the meaning will not be a failure because it will fall back to His Word, and His Word will bring forth the, what it was purposed for or intended. Jesus speaking now, while he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troubles thou the master any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid. Only believe. Now, may the Lord add his blessings to the reading of his word. Being as this is more or less a faith message, a faith uh, message of divine healing, secondarily, our first motive of these meetings is to save lost souls. A body, no matter how bad they're bedridden, how sick they are, someday they've got to die if they're made perfectly whole tonight. But that soul which is immortal, when it's healed, will live forever. Divine healing, as many times it's been said that healing services are just all the stress put on physical healing. If you'll notice, about 80% of Jesus' ministry was divine healing. But divine healing is like the bait that's on the hook. You don't show the fish the hook, you show him the bait. So he gets the bait and the hook too. <laughs> so that's what we think about divine healing. God sets in the church great signs and wonders to get sinners conscious of his presence. Like the gift of speaking in tongues. It's not for him that believeth, but him that believeth not. It's signs to the unbelievers. And today we have plenty unbelievers. I have taught much to heathens in Africa, India, and many different parts of the world. But the worst unbeliever to deal with is not that man who has never heard. It's the man who is self-centered in his own way and won't heed to God. That's the worst time to deal with. 
or they seem to be just so centered that then nothing can move them, say, don't talk to me. I don't believe it. Recently a man said to me, he said, Brother Bram, I do not believe in divine healing. I said, well, it wasn't for you, it was for believers. Him that believeth, that's who it's for. It wasn't for unbelievers in the beginning. I said, so you'll never draw any dividends off of it. Just don't worry about that. He said, I believe that sickness is a glory to God. I said, uh, it's strange that you had your wife operated on for appendicitis. Must have cut the glory out. So um, people would talk like that. There's something wrong. God don't get glory out of people being sick. He wants you to be well. Our blessed Bible said, I, above all things, I would that you prosper in health. That's the scriptures. So we can't deny that. Now, in order to have faith, faith has to have a basis. You just can't let faith be loose and wild. Faith has to rest itself not upon the shifting sands of man's reasoning. Faith is based on the solid rock of God's Word. Faith rests right on God's Word. If the Lord has said so, then that settles it. It doesn't shift about. Man, how sometimes they can explain anything so real and paint the picture so real, but yet faith will never look at that if God's word's contrary to it. It looks right straight to God's word. And when he said, I'm the Lord, and he was thee, you believe that. Or God said so. And we believe it because God said so. Now, in the days of Moses, when God sent Moses down to deliver the children of Israel, before he could deliver the children of Israel, first Pharaoh, there rose up a Pharaoh who did not know Joseph, and he was a smart Pharaoh, perhaps seen in all the theology of Egypt, smart, shrewd. But he didn't have, he had a good reasoning, but he didn't have the word of God. Now he reasoned out scientifically and said, looking here, they're all multiplying, they're more of a thrifty people than we are, they can live on a smaller income, and they're, they're gathering and multiplying, so the thing we must do is stop this right away, kill all the infant babies, males, so that there'll be more, uh, they won't grow so fast. If they rule, he said they might come a war, and if a war would fall out, he said then they might join themselves with our enemies and fight against us to be greater than we are and powerful than we are. Now, his reasoning was correct, scientifically correct. But where Pharaoh made his mistake was not looking into the Word of God that notes that great promise that God was going to bless them and bring them out anyhow. No matter what science says, what reasoning says, if it's not based on the Word of God, I'm sure sorry for the person that listens to it. So therefore, faith can't rest on reason. It rests on God's Word, what the Lord has said. Now. When Moses went forth to deliver the children of Israel, Moses was a different person from Pharaoh. Pharaoh looked at it scientifically, which is all right. But if scientific is all right, then if it's contrary to God's word, don't believe it. If it's with God's word, thank God for it. Just like, for instance, doctors, hospitals. Some people say we shouldn't have doctors, we shouldn't have hospitals and perform operations. I, I disagree with that. I'm very thankful for hospitals and doctors and operations. I'm thankful for the electric lights tonight. I'm thankful for the automobile that brought me up here. 
But if any time they were contrary to God, I don't, I won't fool with it. That's all. But when it's working with God, they are natural blessings that God has given us. The clothing that we wear, the better shoes and sandals were, and better to go in barefoot, the hats that we wear, and so forth. It's, it's better than what we did have before the tree of knowledge produced this, and we're thankful for it. And every discovery along medical science and so forth that can help anybody, we are thankful for it. Because remember this, my dear friends. There's no medicine or no doctor or no hospital that ever has or ever will heal anybody. There's no drug in the world that can heal you. Ask the doctor. They don't claim to be. I've been interviewed by Mayo Brothers twice. They say, we do not claim to be healers. We only claim to assist nature. There's one healer that's God. Look how simple it is. If I cut my hand tonight, you're on the platform there hasn't got a medicine in the world can heal that knife cut. We haven't got a medicine in the world that they can guarantee to heal a bad cold. Thousands die every year, doctors and all, with bad colds. See? Penicillin and sulfur drugs isn't healers. It just assists nature while God heals. Say, for instance, a knife cut in my hand. What if I cut my hand with a knife tonight and all the... Uh, all the doctors in the world could do nothing for it as, uh, to healing it. Now they can keep it clean with methylate and give me penicillin and so forth, but they can't heal it because there's no medicine that'll build tissue. God is the only creator there is. Now if they had, if they had a medicine that would heal a knife cut in my hand, it would heal a knife cut in my coat. It'd heal a knife cut on this desk here. If it'd heal a knife cut, it would heal a knife cut regardless of where it was. If a medicine healed an eye cut. Now you say, Brother Branham, you're getting off of the beaten path. All right? You say medicine is made to heal human bodies, not your coat and the desk. All right? Then I cut my hand with a knife and I fall dead. You're on the platform. You might take me down to the morgue and embalm my body with a fluid that would make me look natural 50 years from now. And let the best doctors there is in the world come and sew that place up. Give me a penicillin shot five times a day. Put all the tincture, methylate, salve, and cures there is on that. And 50 years from the day, that cut will be just exactly the way it was when it was cut. Then if medicine heals a human body, why don't it heal it? See, it wasn't. Now, here's what it is. You say, oh, why, Brother Branham, the life is gone out. That's why. Well, that's different. You tell me what life is, I'll tell you who God is. That's right. So it isn't medicine that heals, it's life that heals. Medicine doesn't build tissue, God builds tissue. God made your first cell. God made every cell that you've got. And in the afternoon instruction services, you'll hear later on, if the manager doesn't come, or some of us will get it, or you'll find out how healing takes place, what a cancer is, where it comes from. It's a different... Order, it's a different life. It's a different, it's a growth inside of you. It don't belong there. The devil put it there. It's a devil. It's exactly what it is. Here's a natural body that looks just as natural. It's been that way for years. After a while, there may be a cancer on there. It's a body. It's a multiplication of tissues, cells. How did it come there? A few years ago, every one of you, just one little germ in the, the father, through the holy wedlock in Poland, that little germ into the mother, the little egg and the little germ went together. The blood cell is from the male sex. The blood has, mother has nothing to do with the blood of the child. 
It comes from the Father. How God forced all that many years ago. How that the you people here, many of you are farmers, perhaps. You can take a hen and let her lay ever so many eggs. If she hasn't been with the male bird, they'll never hatch. They're not fertile. The blood comes from the male. Take an old female bird. She can lay a nest full of eggs, get up on it, and hover those eggs, and sit on that nest so loyal and faithful until she'll get so poor she can't fly off the nest. And unless she's been with the male bird, they'll lay right in that nest and rock. They will not hatch. It just reminds me of some old cold formal churches. Just you can hover them and beat them around and call them this and baby them around, give them PhDs and everything. You ain't got nothing but a nest full of rotten eggs anyhow. You might as well dump the thing out and get with Christ Jesus. Get some faith in the church. For right. Get with Christ the mate. You say, I don't believe in divine healing. I don't believe in the Holy Spirit because you never come in contact with it. That's it. You get right with God one time and you'll believe every bit of the Word of God. Every bit of it will be real to you. That germ comes from the male. And God performs that. He did it years ago. That one little germ begins to grow. It develops into a human body. Now, it grows up to where it is now. Perhaps a cancer comes in there. That's another multiplication of cells. Where did it come from? The first thing, usually a cancer, we're talking on that's one of the great killers. It can be with any disease, any affliction. It comes from a bruise. Usually on the woman's breast, it causes the rose cancer, and it's just like pancakes, and there's so forth piled up on one another, and it can be successfully operated if caught in time. There's a red cancer, which is like streaks that goes through a different kind, the sarcomas cancer, and other different types of cancer. But if we're talking of cancer, well, then you can see what I mean. If the doctor can find it in time and cut it out, it's a success. If he cannot, it gets the hope the patient dies. It just keeps growing. It's sucking the blood. It's a demon. What happens is cell. Everything that Satan's got, everything that Satan ever did, he made it off of something God created. Satan's not a creator, but he perverted what God made. That's how he perverted good into wrong. That's how he perverted that cell. In other words, the cell backslides. That's a big word for a Baptist to say, isn't it? But it, anyhow, it, it, the cell backslid, and that's what causes the trouble. And then it begins to develop cell on top of cell. A demon power comes into that cell. You know where you come from. You come from God. But where did this thing come from called cancer? It come from the devil. There's only two resources that life can come from, either from God or from the devil. And that just keeps growing a great growth. Now, that's what we deal with here on the platform, not the growth itself, but the life in the growth. That's what we're dealing with, the life in it. If you was a cancer on earth, the way to get rid of you and the way of divine healing is call your life out of you. You'd fall down on the ground. You're still here on earth. But then for a few days, you'll, you'll perhaps shrink. When a human body dies, an undertaker here would know that. Well, then a, a hunter knows. You shoot a deer tonight and wait, throw it on the scales and tell the boys how much it weighs. In the morning, throw it back on the scales and see how much it went off through the night. Let it lay there a few days, then throw it on the scale and look how much more it weighed than it did in the first place. That's how I tell the patients, watch about 72 hours. Corruption sets in. And that body begins to swell, like a little dog laying on the street. He begins to swell after he lays there so long. The patient then, that the evil has gone out of the patient, the cancer is dead. For a few days, they feel fine. Like the cataract, tumor, whatever it may be, they feel fine for a few days. And then the first thing you know, it begins to swell. 
swell. And if the patient isn't truly instructed in the Word of God, they'll lose their healing as sure as anything, because they get sick and get twice as bad as they ever was. And that's the best sign you ever had that you're healed. Certainly, a swelling has gone away. Then if you really, if your faith has been built up on somebody, some divine healer, or somebody professing that they've got something when they haven't, then you're gone. But if your faith is built on the Word of God, all devils out of hell will never make you tonight, for it's settled down in here. It's not up here in mental uh, theology. It's down here in your heart. It isn't an intellectual faith. It's a faith that's sunk in your heart by Almighty God. No matter how dark the road looks, you still shout the praises of God because you know God's revealed it to you and that settles it. That's why people sometimes need to have the instructions. Have knowing where your faith lays, not upon man, not upon somebody's ritual or some cure's feelings or something other like that. Your faith is built on the Word of God. There's where faith takes its resting place. Moses, no matter how great the army was, how Pharaoh's army looked, didn't mean nothing to Moses when he met God up there. He knew God's Word. He was instructed in the Word of God. And when he, God met him with that angel up there in the burning bush, could you imagine an old man out there on the side of a hillside uh, with on a burning bush, uh, burning, and he stepped aside to see it? What if, what if he'd have went over just for curiosity? Like some people comes to meetings just for curiosity. Say, I'm going to pull some of the leaves off and take it down to the laboratory to have it tested to see why these leaves don't burn. The flower's all over them, and when the fire goes off, I'll see what chemical was in them. You'll never get anything. There's only one way you'll ever know anything about God. That's by faith you receive it. You believe it because God said so. What I just explained makes nothing about it. You believe it. And Moses, after seeing that angel, seeing God's glory, did you notice Moses wanted to see God's glory before he went? And God showed him his glory. What was it? Divine healing. Put his hand in his bosom, turned to leprosy and taken it out, put his hand back and healed it again. So divine healing is God's glory. So Moses, when he seen that and know the angel, the pillar of fire was with him, I tell you, he went home and got Zipporah, his wife, and set his two children and her on a mule, and here he went to Egypt. Now you talk about a ridiculous sight. Look at this, some of you Georgia people. There was Pharaoh's army. To, uh, the opposition of Russia today would be nothing to compare with the world power it had then. Pharaoh's army, the mechanized units, the thousands of chariots, the spearmen, the horsemen, they had all the world beat to the feet. And here goes an old man, 80 years old, whiskers hanging down to his waistline with a crooked stick in his hand that drives the bone, with his wife sitting straddling a mule with a child on each hip, glorifying God. Some of them say, Moses, where are you going? Going down to Egypt to take over. <laughs> Could you imagine that? Look what science would say about that. But the good part about it, he did it. Amen. Because God had promised it and God's word will never fail. He went out and took over. Opposition means nothing when God has spoken. No matter how bad you're sick, how, how bad you're crippled, opposition is nothing to when God speaks his word, eternal and forever true. He did it. It was a ridiculous-looking sight. But he went out and done it because he had faith. God had promised it, and he knowed it laid in the realms of God, and he went and done it because God was with him. Certainly. Now, in the same time when the sons of man had got back in trouble again, God sent his promise again, his son, the Lord Jesus. When he came, misunderstood. 
All the teachers of that day had it all just so fixed out that they know what the Messiah was going to be. When he come, they had it just fixed the way it had to be. And you know what? When Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, the priest was in arguing what kind of buttons you are to wear on their clothes. That's right. And he was born out there on the hillside, and he never visited one of them. The angels of God came and sang to shepherds. Right, and some magi, stargazers over in the east come following a mysterious star or light that led them to the Christ. When he was here on earth, the devils knowed more about him than the preachers. That's right. The devils, the preacher said, this man's Beelzebub. He reads mine. He's, he's the wickedness of all the fortune tellers. He's a smart fellow, I tell you. He's a mind reader. He's Beelzebub, the chief of all the fortune tellers. That spirit never did die. Notice, but the devil said, I know who you are. You're the Son of God, the Holy One of God. The devil was right. Paul and Silas is up there having a great revival. And the preacher said, these guys, the teachers of that day, not all of them, but the teachers of that day in the great high churches said, these men turn the world upside down. They're imposters. A little old fortune teller sat out on the street and said, these men are the servants of God that tell us the way of life. You know, you can get so ritualistic to even demon-possessed people who has a conception of spirit know more about things than people who so ritualistic and formal. That's a great big word. It cuts, but it'll do you good. Amen. Sometimes we have to get real sick, you know, before we need medicine. <laughs> Mama used to tell us when we take castor and raise a little old country on pone cornbread and black-eyed peas and Every Saturday night, we'd all take a bath in an old cedar tub, pour the water in out of a big old tea kettle, and all take a bath, the little old boys, ten of us. Now, I remember everyone had to take a dose of castor. I can't stand the stuff yet today. When I'd start to, Mama would tell me I'd hold my nose, I'd say, Mama, it makes me so sick, I can't even look at it. She said, if it don't make you right good and sick, it don't do you no good. So that's the way the gospel is sometimes. It don't get you right good and sick, it don't do you much good. So Jesus poured the gospel out from his heart, for he was God's chosen vessel of the hour. Though the people wanted to say Caiaphas' was, though they wanted to say that their church had all the light, no need of anybody else saying anything, but Jesus comes strictly. Now listen, Christ came on the Word, but it was just a little different than what they was used to hearing. Because that it didn't dovetail in with their uh, mental conception of the word, then they refused to hear him. But God was with him. God performed miracles and worked wonders. He said, "If you can't believe me, believe the works that I do, for they testify the Father has sent me." The sons of man, we all no faith built up on their churches and things, and no faith left in the word. Only the way they believed it. So we find Christ going about healing the sick, speaking to the people, telling the different ailments or whatever was wrong. And they said, that's Beelzebub. You see, he's a fortune teller. We know he comes from the devil and so forth. But it didn't hinder Christ a bit. He knew he was sent for a divine purpose and he was determined to fulfill it. For he knew what the Lord had said. He went about at the task. Every true servant of God will do the same if it's no more than a little dishwasher in the kitchen by a housewife. Amen. 
she'll stand true when she really sees the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. No matter what the neighbors say about her, of course, she lets her hair grow out and wears her clothes decent. The neighbors will say she's gone old-fashioned. I'd rather be silly to the world and be the devil's fool any time. I sure had. I, I think that what if a person ever has a revelation of God move into their heart, it changes the whole motives, their life, their appetites, and everything they once was has been changed. Jesus, in doing a time of his ministry, many of those Pharisees and Sadducees, they believed on him, but they couldn't openly confess it. Because if they did, the alliance told them that they was going to put them out of the synagogue. They was going to be excommunicated if they went out into these meetings. So he, that didn't bother him. He just went ahead preaching anyhow. Now our story comes tonight for the next few minutes up on one of those type of fellows by the name of Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue. I've always thought that Jairus was a secret believer. He believed in his heart, kind of a borderline believer. He believed in his heart that that truly was a man of God. He believed that that was God's eternal son, his prophet, priest, and king. But he was afraid to make mention of it because he would be thrown out of the synagogue. And that still exists. So then we find out if a man's really sincere in his heart, God will work something around so that he'll have to make his colors shine. God usually does that at times. So we see Jesus about his task going about. One night he'd cross the ocean. Storms come up and he went all the way from one country over to another to Gadaria. And there he found a maniac. The maniac ran out. Of course, the reason he went over there, the fathers we talked last night, Jesus said, I do nothing except the Father shows me first. First I see a vision on what to do, then I go do it. St. John 5, 19. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing in himself. But what he sees the Father doing, that doeth the Son likewise. Then he went to Gadaria, and there a maniac met him and called for mercy. Jesus spoke to the evil spirits. Called them out. And they're all evil spirit when it's not inhabited in a human body. It's powerless, seemingly. So it goes over and gets into the hogs. And then they come out and told him they didn't want him over there to leave the country. It would cost them too much to have a revival. But we find out that this maniac went back and testified and gave glory to God. When I get over into a glory land, I want to meet this maniac that was a maniac and find out how much pressure his testimony had against hog raising in Gadaria after his healing. He really must have stirred the country. But they didn't want the lovely Jesus. They were better satisfied with the hogs and devils than they was with Jesus. That same thing exists today. That's right. All right, if you don't want him, he'll never push himself on you. You have to want him. You have to have a need. One night, the disciples were waiting on him down by the seashore, and they took off ahead. They thought, oh, well, we can make it anyhow. We'll go on out into the sea. And so they rode on out, went off without Jesus. That's what's the matter with a lot of families around here and everywhere else. You think you can roll across the sea of life without Jesus, but you'll find out 
there will be trouble in the little bark before you get too far. You can't stem the tides of life without Christ. There they was out. But I love this. Oh, my, when I think of it. Now, he knew they went off without him, but you notice he climbed up on the hill. And he watched them out in the sea. And he seen the devil catch him out there in that little whirlwind and begin to dash the boat up and down. But his eye was on them. He was watching for them. Maybe the devil has caught you out somewhere and give you a disease or some sickness or you're backslid or something like that. But remember, he climbed the ramparts of glory and setting on high. His eyes on the sparrow and I know he watches me. He's from everlasting to everlasting God. He steps up and he watches you. He sees where you're at. He knows we're having this meeting tonight. He knows how concerned each one of us are about it. He knows your interest in him. He knows your interest in the kingdom. He knows where your heart is. So he watches over his word. And then we notice when the little ship is just about ready to sink as she rolled up and down in those tides. The mast pole had dropped, the sails were gone, the oars were broken, and there they was, a little ship waterlogged and soaking around out there in the sea. The devil said, I'll have them pretty soon. But all of a sudden they looked, and here he come walking on the water. Just in the darkest of time, then Jesus comes along. This may be your darkest hour sitting here tonight. The doctor might have given you up with cancer, tuberculosis, heart trouble, but it's right at that darkest of hour when Jesus comes walking by. Sometimes unrecognized. They seen him and noticed the disaster of it all. When they looked and seen him, they was afraid of him because they thought he was a spirit. Many people tonight who are afraid to attend the meeting. For they said, I believe this or that, or they're spiritualists, or they're fortune tellers, or they're demon possessed, or something. And notice, in that case there, the only thing that could help them, they were afraid of it. And many people are not around hospital beds and afflictions, and the only thing that can help them is the lovely Lord Jesus, and they're afraid to give him a test to try. Amen. That's right. And as the waters pushed on, after a while, Jesus spoke and said, Be not afraid, it's I. Peter said, If it's you, Lord, give me just a little test. And he asked, and you shall receive. So he gave him the test. And when he tried to do it in himself, he failed, and every other man will fail. He got his eyes off of Jesus and began to look how big the waves was. When he seen the waves were contrary, he began to sink. And every man that'll look at his affliction after being prayed for is sure to sink. You don't look at your affliction. You keep your eyes on the promise giver, the Lord Jesus Christ. Keep your eyes on his word. He's the one who promised. He watches over to perform it. He keeps it in the hell of his hand. And in the depths of his heart, it's bedded. His words has to be true. Get your mind off your sickness. Off your troubles. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Then notice, over on the other side of the sh shore, as soon as they'd got over there, a little woman was up on the hill up there, perhaps, had spent all of her money on doctors, and none of them could do her any good. Perhaps mortgage a farm, sold the team, everything that they had. And none of them could do her any good, but she constantly grew worse and worse. What a time! 
The doctors probably with all the sincerity had tried to stop that blood issue, but they couldn't do it. But I can imagine her saying, if I could only be over in the other land where that prophet is, if I could only get close enough to touch his garments, I believe every word he says comes from the Word of God. If I could only touch his garment, I'd be made whole. For I've heard many things of him. And that night when Jesus toiling all night and the disciples across the storm blowing sea, the devil trying to hinder the meeting just as hard as he could, he'll do that to every God-sent meeting. Do you have it in your Methodist church, your Baptist church, your churches, wherever they may be? The devil will work everything he can to keep it from coming. Go on anyhow. God said so, stand toe-to-toe with him and says, Thus saith the Lord. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. So he moved right on in. I can see that tired bunch of disciples, weary and worn from pulling through the night. Jesus nodding in the back of the ship when the little old boat pushed into the willows. I can hear the crowds begin to say, Here comes that divine healer. Well, let's look and see what he's got to say. I'd like to hear him speak a few words. Maybe he'll perform a miracle or two that we can see. I know he says he don't do them but what the Father shows him. But, oh, we'll just bring some people down and see what he can do. Jesus ignored them, walked right on. He wasn't fussing with them. He had the Father's will to do. That little woman, she pressed right on through every one of them unbelievers probably crawling between the crowds and beneath the people till she touched his garment, moved back out with a perfect satisfaction at her faith and made a contact, rested. And when she did that, Jesus turned and said, Who touched me? Looked all around over the audience. Everybody denied it was them. Directly looked down upon that little woman. Said, Thy faith has made thee whole, daughter. All right, about that time, there was a little man back over on the other side of the hill a few miles away. He belonged to a defined denomination of the Pharisees. Wonderful church. Had a lot of social prestige. Perhaps dry stood good in his city as a great teacher of theology. He may have his B.A. He may have his L.D. Whatever it was, he was all dressed up as a professor. Down in beneath all those priestly robes, he truly believed that that was the Son of God. So God gave him an opportunity to profess his faith and to put it to work. All right, we find out when Jesus got onto the shore the day before that, the doctor probably come, as a Christian usually does, or a believer, or whatever it is. When if someone gets sick, they do what they can for him. Jairus had one little girl, about 12 years old. She tucked sick. God knew what he was going to do. That's the reason Jesus come over there. So Jairus' little girl tucked sick at about 12 years old. The doctor perhaps came and checked her over and said, Well, we'll give her a few of these remedies, these borrow leaves and barks and so forth. She'll probably pull out of it. She's got a little fever and so forth. Days passed. Respiration began to fall. All of his remedies, the poor man doing everything that he knew in that day to do. He'd done all he could, probably an immediate friend of the family. He used all of his drugs and everything he could, and the girl grew worse and worse. Finally, he come in and taken her pulse, perhaps, and said, Well, come out here, Jarosh, you and your wife, I want to speak to you. I've got something sad I have to say to you. I hate to do it as your doctor, but in all my scientific a knowledge that I have, your child's a dying. 
I'm watching her heartbeat. It's slowing up every minute. I'll give her everything that I know how to give, and still she goes worse and worse. The respiration's about gone. Your child can't live but a little while longer, so you get ready for the shock. Little Jarius and the doctor doing everything he could do. I'd imagine he paid the doctor, thanked him for all of his service, and went away. Poor little fellow, Miss Jarius, she was crying, probably Jarius himself, then way back down in the gable end of his soul, there was a little spark that he had heard Jesus of Nazareth was the Son of God, and the promise that God would send him in that day and would do these things, because Isaiah said, the lame shall eat like a heart, and so forth would take place. And if that man was a fulfilling of that promise, then he had the glory of God with him. So he said, I can see him go in and get his hat. And all the people, the members of the synagogue around to watch the child die. And I can hear them say, Jarius, where goest thou? Well, Jarius said, I'm going to take a little visit. Somebody must have told him that Jesus is coming. That's a good message to preach even today. Jesus is coming. Well, they heard he is going to be down there, or was down there, rather, at the willows at the riverbank. And they heard that he was coming, so faith cometh by hearing. Hearing of the Word of God. So Jarius gets his little hat on, his little priest hat, and here he goes. I can hear his church member say, Jarius, where are you going? And his wife said, Honey, where are you going? I'm making my way to see Jesus, he said. That's a good thing to do. In an hour of distress, make your way to him. For he's a very present help in a time of trouble. I can hear his associates and all the deacon board say to him, Boy, you'll be excommunicated. Remember that. Just wait till the next general meeting and we'll sure have you thrown out. You know what the high priest said? Anybody would fool around such a fellow as that? We don't have nothing to do with that. But listen, the time had come, the crucial moment, that he had a need. That's what we need today. When the time comes for a need, when death's knocking on your door. If you never tasted of the baptism of the Holy Ghost and know the power of God to be born again, you might laugh at it now, but when the need comes, you don't care who's standing around, whether you're excommunicated or not, you'll find your way to Christ as certain as anything. Your church creeds won't have nothing to do with that day. No matter how loyal a member of the church you've been, Jesus said, except the man be born again. That little spark that makes you believe that, listen to it tonight. Water it with faith. God will grow it into a tree of salvation to you. Now, as we see this little fellow making his way down and all the people criticizing him, but remember, he couldn't say now, oh, I'll wait till a more convenient time. It was then. Action had to take place. He had to get to Jesus or his child would die. And brethren, tonight, if we don't get people to Christ, they'll die. The hour is here. People says, I'll believe in divine healing in the millennium. Well, what do you need with divine healing when you're immortal? Today is the day. No more change. This is the day of salvation. Let's get people to Christ. And I can see Jairus as he moves on. After a while, he comes in contact with this lovely little fellow coming, weary-eyed, drooped down, looked to be 50 when he was only 30, probably gray and a whole lot, the strain of the work. They told him he looked like he was 50, said, you're not a man yet, no more than 50. 
And you say you have seen Abraham. He said, well, before Abraham was, I am. <laughs> there he was. But he looked 50 when he was 30. Probably stooped over a little as he walking about. When Jeriah seen him, there stood all the priests around, mocking him, making fun of him and everything. Some of them glorifying God for healing the woman. The priest said it's nothing but mental telepathy. There's nothing to it. He didn't know that woman. How do you know her head? She had a blood issue. I don't believe that. That's of the devil. He's Beelzebub. Making fun of him and everything. But some of them are hollering, Hosanna! To God in the highest. They were rejoicing. Then I can see the priest say, You see who's doing that? The trash, the lowbrows. Oh my, if it takes that to believe God, I'm a lowbrow then. That's right. The common people heard him gladly. Then Jairus walked up and become one of those low brows, as the street expression is. He ran up and fell down his feet. He said, Lord, I've got a little girl laying over there just at the point of death. I can imagine him saying this. I heard of you. Always down in my heart, I believe that you was. I know I've been taught not to believe it and everything, but Lord, down in my heart, you know my heart. If you know that woman's blood issue and you knew... All these other things that you know, God's told you, no doubt, but what you know, my heart. So I come, come lay your hands up on her and she'll live. There you are. Just where your faith lies. Now to dry says, lay your hands on her. That was the Jewish way. The Jews lay on hands. But the centurion, not so. He said, I'm not even worthy of you to come under my roof. Just speak the word and my servant will live. Look at that authority. He said, I'm a man under authority. I say to this man, go do this, and he doeth it. I say to this and come, and he cometh. For he knew that this was a centurion. Over a hundred men, and them hundred men had to do just exactly what he commanded. And he knew that Jesus Christ had all sickness and demons under his hand. Just speak the word. Hallelujah. I know you're going to call me holy roller, so you might as well get ready to start right now. That's right. It's enough to make one out of you. Oh, speak the word. That's all you need. Just say the word and my servant will live. Amen. Dry said, I've been taught laying on the hands, so come lay your hands on my girl. Jesus knew he was going anyhow. I said, ah, here we go. And away they went, little dry, kind of looking around the crowd. And my kind of felt better after you heard Jesus say, I'll go. You can get an audition with Jesus a few minutes. All, everything clears up. You don't care what they say about you from then on. As long as you can get Jesus to talk to you a little. Here he goes down the road, his little head thrown back, smiling, no looking down to everybody. He didn't care how much they laughed at him. He was walking with Jesus. Anybody ever walks with him, don't care what the critic says. You ever walk with him. Here he's walking along the road. This guy's a seer. This is a fellow. This is, this is a man. I know he's done it in other places, and he's already given me the assurance. Here I go. Walking right along. Watch the devil now. He said, I'll bring the props out from under him. I'll fix him up. About time they got a few hours down the road, here come a man running saying, Don't trouble the master any further. Your little girl is already dead. We've done laid her out. She's dead. Don't trouble the master any farther. When Dries heard that, I can see his little heart skip a beat. He grabbed his heart. He looked over toward Jesus. Jesus, so that's clear cut on Oh, my, I can't even find a word to say. That no soul, never in trouble, no matter how troubled it was around him, he was always at peace. I'd see those sacred eyes move over to see the reaction of Jairus. Said, fear not, 
only believe, you'll see the glory of God. He knowed where he was going. He knowed what would take place. He knowed what the vision had spoke. He knowed God was faithful to the Word. When he gets up around the place there, all of them are screaming and crying. I can hear the Pharisees from Jurassic Church saying, There you are! There you are! Fool around one of them divine healers. The doctor told you your child was going to die, so now you see you brought disgrace. Now what are you going to do? Little Giles with his head up, walked right on in. The people out there going on and making a big to-do, Jesus said, Give praise. In other words, keep quiet. He said, The girl's not dead. She's asleep. Now, what do you think they said? Those people who don't know God, they know Him by the way of the church. But I know the way of salvation. They said, Now we know He's completely crazy. Seeing that she's not dead and we got her laying out in there? The doctor says she's dead. The undertaker probably says she's dead. There she is, cold and laying out on the couch. Why, she's dead. And here this fanatic says she's not dead. She's asleep. <laughs> Away with such a fellow. You know what Jesus did? They laughed at him. You know what he did? He put them out. That's right. So don't laugh at him. You might get put out. <laughs> He put them out. Put all of them out on the outside. How could he do anything around a bunch of unbelievers like that? What believers need to do is congregate themselves together and pray till Christ comes into their midst. And signs and wonders will take place. There he was. He put them all out. There he's all enclosed about with all this unbelief. He stood there with the father and the mother of the child. They believed. Peter, James, and John was the only one who could go with him. Faith, hope, and charity. Walked him into the room, closed the doors behind him. On the outside, there's a wall of unbelief. But Jesus was possessed with a power that after earthly things had failed, he could speak with another language. And he spoke out into the world, yonder, where the child's soul was. And a girl that was laying stiff and dead rose again to her feet in a bloom of life. Called her to her life as he spoke out to Bitha. And he called her back, Daughter, arise. And he picked her up by the hand and said, Give her some food. They probably embalmed her and her blood is gone. So he said, Give her some food till she gets strengthened. Oh, I'm so glad tonight to know that that Jesus Christ still lives and reigns and still is the same God tonight that he was in that day. He's forever alive. Have faith in God. I'm so glad corruption knew its master. The Spirit knew its Creator. Nothing else could do, but it had to return as soon as that Son of God called her. I'm glad tonight that if He should call, our names are on His book, aren't you? My sinner friend, I trust tonight by God's grace that your name will be placed upon His book also, that you may know Him in the pardoning of sin, that you may know Him as your Savior, while we pray, if you will. The pianist or organist's brother will come, if she will, and play softly. Abide with me, if you will, sister, while the audience keeps her head bowed for a moment. Everyone in prayer, now believing with all your heart, Jesus, the Son of God, knows all things, can do all things. He loves everyone. Now, if you're not a Christian, if you're not a believer... I trust that just now God will speak to your heart and say, this is the hour to believe. Our Heavenly Father, as we're waiting now, faith cometh by hearing, hearing of the Word. 
I pray thee, Father, to be merciful to us all. Pardon us of all of our sins and trespasses. Forgive us. And it is written in thy holy word, He that heareth my words and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. Father, may many be brought to a believing and saving knowledge of thee this night. For we ask that in Christ's name and with our heads bowed, praying, is there anyone in divine presence anywhere would say, by an uplifted hand, pray for me, Brother Branham. I am a sinner. God bless you, son. God bless you, sir. God bless you. And God bless you and you all up in the balconies. Oh, my. As I go out this way to look again, you can just see them from everywhere. God be merciful. Oh, my. Way up here to my left, as I go over here, take a look. Up in there, would you raise your hand? Daniel saw one vision and was troubled at his head for many days. Is that right? True. You say, well, Brother Bram, I don't know about that. Most all poets, prophets, and so forth are considered neurotic. Look at William Caffer, who wrote, There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. As you write that song, try to find a river to commit suicide. Look at Stephen Foster, your southern people, how you love him from the old folk songs. He wrote some of the greatest heartfelt folk songs in the world. And look at him, every time he was, every time he was considered an erotic, every time he'd write a song, then he'd go out and get on a drunk and finally call a servant, cut a razor, and commit suicide. See, he grew up in inspiration. Look at the prophet Jonah. After being here, ride in the belly of a whale for three days and nights and come out and preach for such force in the city, a city the size of St. Louis over here, that people repeated so that they put sackcloth on their animals. Then went up and sat on a, a little old tree up there, a vine, and prayed God to take his eyes. Look at the prophet Elijah. As he stood up on Mount Carmel and called fire out of heaven and water out of heaven on the same day and the great signs he done and then run out into the wilderness as the vision left him and was wandering in that wilderness for 40 days and nights and God found him pulled back into a cave. A little different maybe than what you read, but shit, that isn't true. See, it's the truth. See, it does something. See, you don't need to try and explain it. You just believe it, that's all. Now, let's, I believe last night we were calling in a prayer card to the boy and give out a hundred last night. We call a few of the first ones. Let's go over to kind of middle of them and start calling tonight somewhere. Let's call from, say, just get a few up here. That's all it takes. Just a few to get the Spirit of God moving, and then he just starts healing all over the place, you see. That's all it takes. You don't have to be up here. Don't have nothing to do with it up here. I want to just get, see, you're a great mass of people. Everyone is a human being. Everyone of you has a soul, a spirit. And all those spirits are moving. And you catch it, you feel it. That's the reason Jesus cut the man by the hand and let him out of the crowd. That's the reason I said tonight he tried to cut everybody out of the house. But just those, see, you got to get them out to yourself until the people really set in a faith and then it moves everywhere. Let's begin somewhere. Let's see, let's begin about 51. Who has prayer cards say 51? Have, is that in the uh, audience? Prayer cards 51? Look at your cards. Do you, you have your prayer cards uh, 51? All right, he has 52. We'll start right along like that. Would you come here, sir? 52. Has anybody got prayer cards 52? Ladies? 53. Would you raise up? Everybody has 53. Ladies? 54. Would you raise up? All right. 55. 56. 56. The lady there. 57. 58. 59. 60. Now, 
Yeah. Everyone now just be real wherever it is. Be seated right where you are now. Just keep praying. Now open your audience everywhere you are. I don't care if you're back where you are. I don't have anything to do with it. Look this way and believe and see what happens. Listen for your name. Listen. How many back up in there is sick tonight? Don't have a prayer card. Anywhere in the audience, anywhere. Don't have a prayer card. You're sick and want Jesus to heal you. Raise your hand. Just look. My, I just believe it's going to be so. Now, what you do is do this. Just sit around and pray. Be real reverent. Just reverent. Don't move around. Just sit there and pray. Say, Lord Jesus, uh, don't, don't strain yourself. Don't get nervous. Just relax. Say, oh, Father, I'm so thankful to be in your presence out there on the campus of the I want you to be merciful to me tonight. I need Tell that preacher just to turn around and speak to me. Tell encourage my faith or something. Let him call me individually. Then just give me this encouragement of that, Lord, and I'll be so thankful. You do that. And approach him thankfully, reverently, and you'll find out that God will do it for you if you'll do that. How many you have out there? <clears throat> well, let's, let's call a few more. What, what's the last number that was out there? What's your number, sister? Sixty? Let's call about five more. Sixty, one, two, three, four, five. And that'll make a right nice little line of people. I don't It doesn't make any difference how many stands up. It's just out of you don't want too many in there at one time, you see. Because you have to stand so long. And sometimes I don't get out. The Spirit goes into the audience. Now I've got to call the Spirit. That's all I can do. Now let's call it for just a moment. Every head bowed. And be reverent, just as reverent as you can be. Be faithful, be praying, having faith in God. Oh, have mercy, Lord. I pray thee to breathe upon this audience tonight of thy divine presence. Make all things possible, Lord. May thy Holy Spirit move in great, tremendous ways and bless this audience as we wait reverently in Jesus' name. I let everyone be reverent. <clears throat> and if you now wait just a minute, I want to look through this audience of people. Do you out there to the prayer line? Do you this way just a minute? Each one of you. Are you all strangers to me, everyone? If you all raise up your hands, if you all are strangers. All right. Now the only ones that I know in the, the meeting are my associate here, Brother Wood, standing over here. Of course, I know him. He's with us. He's the book salesman. Here's the Leo Mercer and Gene Go down here, friends of mine, recorders. I, they bring me, have the tapes and so forth. And Brother Dealer, there, I know him. He follows the news also. And Brother Tom from South Africa. As far as I know, that's the only people here that I know outside of my boys, and not there with the sick people. That's the only one you know that I know. I met a couple of fine ministers the other day here, brothers, I just committing you here. But I wouldn't know them now, I guess, if I'd see them out there. I don't see them. And I just uh, remember the, the face, but um, I want everybody just to be real quiet now and keep your children near you, especially epilepsy. Epilepsy is one thing that gets away from me. Do you realize you're dealing with demon spirits? How many realize that? Let's see if you put your hands up anywhere. In the Bible, don't you remember when a man had epilepsy and somebody went over and didn't have the authority and said, I jury by Jesus who Paul preaches come out, and that spirit came out and got on the man? Here not long ago, there's a certain minister came to a meeting. 
He had about 28 of his congregation. A little baby was on the platform, and the little baby had epilepsy. had a rag wrapped around a, a, a stick in its mouth, a clothespin it was. And they had a, the baby's head and fit. I couldn't get him to stop. And this minister sitting out there kind of smiling to himself. And I looked around. I told them all put their heads down. They wouldn't do it. This fellow just sat there. So an usher went back to him and said, Listen, this is a public place, and yeah, I'll do as I please. I said, All right. It's up to you. I said, Father, don't let this poor innocent child have to suffer the sins of that man. I say to you, leaving, but your liberty do what you want to. And thousands of people sitting there, the whole 28 took epilepsy and fell on the floor flopping, and everything is still about epilepsy, too. And that's just one of the thousands of cases. So you be reverent. We're not playing church. You're in the presence of God. See? So be reverent. Be seated. And just whatever he said, you do just exactly what the Spirit of the Lord says do. Now, Shall we just all sing together slowly, if you will, only believe, just all together now, together, all only believe. Now just sing with believe with all your heart now. That's right. There's something about it. Things are all Each one confessing his faith. Walk up this way a little closer, sir. That's all right. Now, to the people in the audience, wherever you are, be reverent. Listen for your for you. Because when it goes, did they show the picture of it here tonight? Did you see it? The angel of the Lord uh, on the picture? Uh, they'll probably get to it sometime. It's, it's here. They've taken it and got it in Washington, D.C., and... The only supernatural being that's ever scientifically proven to be true. The copyright's right with it, the Douglas Studios at Houston, Texas. And now, when it leaves and I see it move over the audience, I have to watch where it's at. And when I speak, you listen for your name, or listen for to who it is. Be reverent, wherever it is. And when you're standing here, you in a prayer line, 
Just listen to what he tells you. Then do just exactly. And you'll notice now, when, it, when I come from it, if he anoints me, when I come from it, if it's me speaking, if it be me, but if it's the Holy Spirit and something's to happen, it'll say, Thus saith the Lord. Now watch that. And you audience, and when it does, mark it down on a little piece of paper or something and watch it. If that don't come to pass just that way, you send it to me. The recorders here pick up everything. That's what the boys are here for, is to pick up those recordings. You see, we have every word, and not one time since I was a little tiny baby has it ever failed. It can't. It's God. See, if it would be mine, it would fail every time. But it's God, and it can't fail. Now, this a man standing here before me, probably a man my age, maybe a little older. As far as I know, he and I are strangers to each other. Are we, sir? We do not know each other. But God knows us both. <clears throat> as soon as you walk up here, I perceive that you are a believer because your spirit feels welcome. That's the way I know that. That's uh, when uh, Nathaniel came up to the Lord Jesus. He said, Behold an Israelite. See, he knew that he, he is welcome, you see. And just as soon as it turned to you, if you had been a critic or something, it would have been a dark shadow moving in there. And I know there had been something wrong. But you are a believer. And between you and I now... Is something that perhaps maybe me going under this influence of the divine presence of God. I don't know what it, but you're aware that something's taking place. Now, I've, as an honest man, if you are, would you raise your hand to the people that they might know that you can tell that you're in the presence of something besides man as supernatural? Now, to anyone who stands this close between me and the man, is that pillar of fire like it's just a circling between me and he? He knows. Now, it'll drop to either he or I in a few moments. He, he knows he's in the presence, in divine presence. I do not know the man. I have never seen him. But now, if the Holy Spirit should anoint, well, he'll tell you something that'll encourage you or discourage you one. That I do not know. It'll have to take him to do it. But if he does, you will admit it then. If it's truth, you'll admit it. And you'll be willing to do anything that he tells you to do. And if it's the truth what he tells you, then you know his divine presence is here uh, telling me what to say to you. Isn't that right? Well, may he grant it is my sincere prayer, brother. You're the first patient here tonight. People with lots of faith in the audience. And they're moving from everywhere. Powers of sickness is moving in. And it's people's faith are doing it. See, it isn't me. It's their own faith pulls at it. It wasn't Jesus healed the woman. He said, thy faith has saved thee. Right. It, wasn't, it wasn't him. Her faith did it. And that's the same thing in here. Faith's pulling from everywhere around now. But I see that between you and I, there seems to be something like dripping. I see it moving between you and I, like drops of something are falling. It's a, it's a blood condition. It's something in the blood. It's, it's acids in your blood, I believe. The doctor says it's a... I see that kind of thin fella says it's a, a, a acid in your blood and it's caused by a case of diabetes. It has been a diabetes. It's caused an acid to come into your blood. That's true. That's is that true. right? That's right. That's true. That is true. I, you believe? Oh, yes. <laughs> Now, see, more you talk to the man, see, now that you might know, now I could just pray for him. I don't know. But I turn around now while the anointing is speaking and talk to the man, 
He might, it, just the longer you talk, but usually I don't say much to a person because these others are just weak and so. But that you might know now, I will just talk to the brother just a little bit longer, see if the Holy Spirit would say anything. Would you desire to see that if it be God's will? Pray that it be God's will. That we might know just to, to talk to you now. Now, what it said was the truth. We'll see just what he would say again. And uh, if he should say anything, of course, it would be him. It couldn't be me. You know that. You realize that. I realize. Whatever what it was, of course, it seems to a dream now. It's another world. I see it moving between us again. You know, it's it's another man. And the man's got something that's in his eyes about, oh, it's a... It's a son. You got a boy or something or a son, haven't you? It's got something wrong with his eyes. Uh-huh. And then yeah, I see a little girl. That's his daughter, which is your granddaughter. She's got something wrong with her eyes. <laughs> That's the truth, yeah. folks. That's the truth. You I believe? Do. I believe. Now, I'm as you have believed, go and find it just the way you believe. <laughs> In the name of the Lord Jesus, I bless my brother for the glory of God. May the Lord bless you, my dear brother. Just have faith. Believe God with all your heart. You can have what you want if you'll just have faith to believe it. All right. Now, as far as that is concerned, the whole audience ought to have faith now to be healed. Isn't that right? Everyone should have faith. Everyone should believe. I see the angel of the Lord hanging over a little lady looking right at me praying. Got trouble with your hip, haven't you, sister? Mm-hmm. You was praying, then you said, Lord, let him turn to me. You also have a hernia, don't you? That's right. And you got a tumor, haven't you? If that's right, raise up your hand. Now you can stand up on your feet. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, heals you. And you're a well, your faith has made you whole. <laughs> Just have faith. Keep praying. Keep believing. Don't doubt. Believe all things are possible. Oh, how marvelous, how wonderful our Lord Jesus is. Now, is this the lady? Is this the lady that they brought? No. I see you have a signed personal worker. All right, you're working in this meeting, are you, lady? All right. We're strangers to each other, I suppose. This is our first time ever meeting in life. But the Lord Jesus Christ knows both of us, doesn't he? Yes, sir. He knows me. He knows you. He knows everything that I ever did do, all you ever did do. He knows what I will do. He knows what you will do. So our destination lays within his grips in his hand. And only he alone is able to do this. Are you aware of that, sister? Well, us being strange to each other, and only God alone can do these things, then if I talk to you like our Lord and Master, which is present now, Talk to the woman at the well. He said, bring me a drink. And he began to carry a conversation with her until he found out just exactly where her trouble was. He found one trouble with her. That was she was living in adultery. He said, go get your husband. She said, I don't have any. He said, you got five. 
She said, I perceive that you're a prophet. said, I know that when Messiah cometh, he'll tell us these things. That was the very sign of the Messiah. Was that right? That's a sign of the Messiah today. Is that right? Or if the Messiah is same yesterday, today, and forever, he's the same in principle, same in power, same in works. And the Messiah himself said, I do nothing except the Father shows me first what to do. But I'm talking to you just like he did to her, catching your human spirit. And us being strangers. Now, the first thing I see the woman, if the audience of my voice is loud enough now as I hope it is, I see the woman moving away from me. She, there's something wrong with her spine. She's got a spinal trouble. And her spine is bad. That is true, isn't it, lady? That's right, raise up your hand. See how infallible our Holy Spirit of God is? There's her trouble. Just exactly. Now, where God can heal or not, that depends on her faith. See, these things are not to heal people. It's to bring you conscious of God being here. See? Now, you can say, that man's uh, uh, anything you want to call it. Whatever you call it, it'll determine your destination. I'll say that. See? Whatever. The man who smote Jesus in the face didn't feel any virtue. Certainly not. But the woman who touched his garment felt virtue. You touch him tonight. Not me. No, oh my. Don't, don't think that. Not me. Him. See? Huh? I'm just as you are. Uh, worse than you are, Lord. Because you people have been in this way a long time. I'm just a baby in it. See? And you just call me your brother and I come to you. But some of you old saints of God here has been in these old churches around here carrying the cross for years and years. I feel honored to stand before you. So I'm sure without a shadow of doubt I'm presenting the Lord Jesus Christ to you. That's right. Now if you believe it, I hope you do. Now the lady, let's see, what, what is, oh, is spinal trouble, I believe it was. All right. Now, that's what is wrong. Now, if I talk to the lady a little longer, it would keep telling her more things. Or whatever it might, I don't know. We just talk to her a minute and see what the Holy Spirit would say. So that you can see that it's just not something you're guessing. It's a reality. Now, it just, he's such a marvelous Lord Jesus. So wonderful. That left me just then. It moved out from me. I felt it go. It went to someone. Now, just as sure as anything, it left. Some, went to someone. The anointing left me. Life went out. Look at the perspiration breaking on top of my hand. See? See? It went from me. Somebody in the audience. Let's see. I hear. Now, if you that feel that you're in the spirit. Now, look standing right here. Do you see that light? It's hanging right over a little lady sitting here looking at me. She's been suffering. I see her going about something holding her head. She's having headaches. Been having headaches. She's sitting right in here. You believe that the Lord Jesus heals you? It will make you well? You accept it? And you believe it? If you do, you may have it. The Lord Jesus bless you. See? You don't need prayer cards. You need faith. Faith does the work. See? How faith makes you whole? Now, this is the patient, I believe. So we'll, oh, it would just, he just spoke to you, didn't he, telling you something was wrong with you. Now, do you believe him with all your heart that he'll heal you? I do. With all your heart you believe you'll get... With all my heart. I see you, you've been 
I see some building, a kind of a building you've been into or something. You was, it's, it's, a, it's a hospital. You've just come from a hospital. And it was, uh, uh, you've got a blood pressure. I see him taking your pressure like this. And it's dangerously high, ready for a stroke. That is right. And there's a little girl with you. Yes. And that little girl has something wrong with her foot. Yes, it's crippled. It's crippled in its foot. Left foot, I believe it is. I see it as it throws its left foot. And that little girl is the daughter of your niece. Yes. That's right. And that lady, the mother of the child, works in a hospital. Yes. That's the truth. Now go and lay your hand on the child, and may the Lord grant unto you the desire of Let us say praise be to God. God is a worship, an object of worship. They that worship Him worship in spirit and in truth. You believe with all your heart? If you believe, you can receive. Whatever it is, just have faith in God. God will grant to you the blessings if you'll believe it. Oh, my. This lady sitting right here having, looking around this way, do you believe with all your heart that God will heal you of that hay fever? Do you believe that God will make you well? Kind of shocked you a little, didn't it? You believe that he'll make you well? If you do, you can have what you ask for. Amen. High blood pressure? You believe that God will heal you that high blood pressure? If you believe it, you can have what you ask for. That's right. God bless you. Amen. How do you do, lady? We're strangers to each other, aren't we? Now, we being strangers to one another, but yet you know that you're in the presence of something besides your brother, don't you? It's his presence, you see. Isn't that a wonderful feeling? See, it just settling now, coming between me and the woman. She moves way back. A dark streak follows her. I see her many years ago. She's much younger than she is. You were stricken with something, you know, that looks like if they couldn't, you was asleep or uh, a sleeping disease. That's what you had. And it's come back on you again. And you're getting to a place where you're all excited. I see you wondering about where you should drive a car and things like that. You're being weary about those things. Isn't that the truth? You believe that God's going to make you whole this minute? Yes. Come here. And Heavenly Father... As your spirit here that knows all things, I pray, God, that you'll bless this woman who I bless in thy name, and may she go and be whole in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. God bless you, sister. May his mercies rest with you, be upon you. How do you do, lady? We are strange to each other, too, I suppose. And we do not know each other, but God knows us both. Isn't that right? If he knows us both, he knows all things. He can do all things. He's omnipotent, omnipresent. So he's all present, all omnipotent. He can do all things. 
I see you not some time ago. You was going. You went for an examination and was examined for cancer. And you are going back again. Have to go back soon to get an examination to test again to see if it's cancer. That's right. That you might know that I am your brother and telling you the truth. You got someone you're interested in. It's a blind person. That's your daughter, and she's a blind person. The handkerchief that you have in your hand, lay it on her. Then bring us word what your doctor tells you about the cancer. You'll find that. God bless you, my sister. May mercy rest upon you. Praise be to God who gives all pain freely. Whosoever will may come and drink from the waters, the fountains of life, freely. Praise God. Every spirit subject. See, he, I, he, you couldn't hide yourself now. He's here. If you look this way, I'd pass him out. I couldn't heal you. But you couldn't hide your life. That's right. Your lady's an elderly lady looking at me. I know what's wrong with her. She has palsy. Her husband's sitting by her is hard of hearing. Here's a lady sitting here with her gallbladder trouble. Just come from a hospital. The little girl there in the wheelchair's got polio stricken. Have faith. Believe. That's what it takes. I can't heal. God never give me something to heal somebody. He gave me a gift to, to stimulate your faith in Him. To know He's present. What are you thinking there, lady, sitting there on the end of the seat, sitting there with that liver trouble? You believe that Jesus Christ heals you then? You said something went over you, wasn't it? That's it. You were healed. Mm-hmm. Amen. That lady that laid her hand over your ear, she got a blessing too at that time because she had a, a bladder trouble and she was healed then. Amen. That's right. That's exactly right. The lady sitting next to her, hugging up against her shoulders, you you got a rupture, haven't you, lady? That's right. Amen. See, you can't hide his presence. He's here. Amen. Hallelujah. To the Lamb of the living God. I'm a prayer. Wherever two or more gathered in my name, I'll be in their midst. Whatsoever thing you shall ask in prayer, that will I do. Listen, I am not a fanatic. God knows that. Our Heavenly Father, who looks down in heaven, I'm looking at that audience back in front of me there. And the God of heaven who will judge me at this day of the judgment when he comes. Constantly the light of God is flashing from that audience back in there. You're, it's dimming out. I'm getting so weak I can hardly stand here. But many people back in there are getting healed. You're too far back for me to just see exactly who you are. But God in heaven knows that. Many times has it flashed over the people there. And I know it's God's sign to me that them people are being healed right along through there. And God knows that's the truth as they stand by his sacred word. Amen. Watch. Long time after I'm gone, you'll find out that that's the truth. Amen. It's your faith of doing that. Praise be to God. I love him. How wonderful he is. 
We just thank Him with all of our hearts for His goodness, don't we? Just waiting a moment, friends. Just you don't realize what it is. You get into a oh, He's so wonderful. You just feel like you're going to take a rapture. Just, my how great it is to know that the anointing of the Holy Spirit that'll take the church in the rapture someday is present. Now the people, it's called the people that believe in God, fanatics and holy roller, you ought to be ashamed of yourself, for God is with them, a vindicating he's here. Look at when Israel come up out of Egypt, the sign was before them that proved that God was with them. Amen. How we love him. How we praise him for his goodness. It's from everlasting to everlasting. He's God. This man standing here, is this the patient? Excuse me, sir. We're strangers to each other, I suppose. I do not know you. We're just watching. I didn't mean to make you wait, sir. But just, I can't explain it, see. You're here. I don't know why. He knows why you're here. And he's the only one that can heal you if you're sick. If it's financial troubles, he's the only one can support. If it's domestic troubles, he's the only one who can clear it up. The only thing I can do is just by divine gift, if he will, say the same thing like he did to the woman at the well. He knew where her troubles lay. Now, I want to ask the audience, the man standing here, total stranger. Something happened in the audience just then. He went out to the audience. If the Holy Spirit, this strange man to me, will reveal what he come here for, will every one of you accept it now that you believe that I, I have told you the truth about the Lord Jesus? Will you? Is it true, sir, we are strangers to each other? We never met before in life. This is just our first meeting time. I know nothing about you. Then if anything, if there's something wrong with you and God would let me know about it, then it'd have to come from the hand of God, wouldn't it? And now, see, audience, this now, I want you to keep the word. You on these cots here that's sick, wherever you are, if I could only do something for you to heal you, how I would love to come down there and do it, but I can't. I can't do it. No other man can do it. It's your faith in God. Every sinner here, how I'd like to come out and save you, but I can't. It's your own faith in God. Your, your, your salvation was paid for Calvary. You've been, ever since Jesus died, you've been saved, but it'll never do you any good till you accept it. Your healing was paid for at Calvary. Can't you accept it now? See, a man can come through here saying anything. That don't make it so. But when God says it's so, then it's, it's, it's so. Well, that was, I could feel it. My brethren here, 
it's time to leave this stadium about. And that's the reason I'm trying to get the crowd into a position where I can feel that the anointing is correctly over every person. I'm interested in you, friend. I want you to be well. I, I, you're just you're somebody's mother. I got a dear old mother praying tonight. You're somebody's wife. I got a wife praying tonight. Somebody's father, or my father's gone on tonight. Somebody's brother and sister. Oh, may God help you, friend. Now, through preaching the word, through seeing God moving, won't you believe? I persuade you to have faith in God. Now, while I try, as the crowd is getting dim, I can't explain it. I can't even know where my voice is coming to you correctly or not. But I trust that it is. Now, to the man, if you'll just step this way just a little closer, sir, there's somebody behind you pulling the same way. So, we being strangers to each other, as I have said, God knowing both of us, knowing all about us, you notice this, how many audience gets healed to one at the platform? It's because of their faith, you see. Their faith does that. Now, you're not from this city. You come here from another city. And your trouble lays in your back. And he told you that it was a ruptured disc in your back. That is right. You believe the Lord Jesus can make you well? I hear somebody call you by name out, Hugh. And your other name's Martin. That's right, isn't it? <laughs> All right, go ahead. It's over now. God bless you. Let us say praise be to God. Do you believe him? With all your heart? Now, let us just, where you're standing, I want you to do something for me. Will you, everybody sit, just put your hands over on each other just a minute, will you? Everywhere, all the way around. That's right. Now, I know God. No, all these things, God just healed a man and said, Your hands, they shall lay hands on each other. Our Heavenly Father, we rebuke all the powers of darkness. Satan, you are defeated. We come against thee tonight in the name of the Lord Jesus. And by the authority of the Holy Ghost and the power of the resurrected Lord Jesus, this group of believers comes into the presence of the Almighty. Come out, Satan. I adjure thee in the name of Jesus. Leave every person in this divine presence. You're defeated. Leave them in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand up now on your feet and give God praise for his great glorious